This podcast is a part of CGN Media, a podcast network that points to Christ. We are supported by listeners like you. To help us create more great shows, visit cgnmedia.org support. We trained him up the way he should go. He's not going that way. I thought you said, God, that he would go this way if I did all these things. And what happened? Did I not follow? Did I miss something on my checklist of raising these kids? Like we talked about the Proverbs, that's just probability. That's That really helped me when I understood what that really meant, is that I did my best that I could. Am I sinful? Absolutely. Did I have to ask my kids for forgiveness for many things I've done? Yes. Um, but I did the best I knew how to, what I what I could do. And I did it with God, and I tried to be faithful in that. And when I realized, like, they have a say in this, the kids do. They have free will. And that's on them. And that really freed me from that initial guilt of failure and judgment that I had and condemnation, really, that I had. Today, our topic on the show is prodigals. And we have all heard the story of the prodigal son or the parable of the lost son in Luke. And it's a story of God's love, um, a story of repentance and forgiveness and redemption. And today, we're going to take a little bit of a turn as I interview one of our team members, Krista Fox. Hey, Krista. Hi. And her son, Aiden. Hi, Aiden. Hello. Um, as we um, just kind of take a look um, through this interview, as we can just see the perspective and hear your perspective, not only as a parent, but you too, Aiden, just the stuff that you suffered and you've gone through during this sort of far from God Mm -hmm. season of life and experience. So welcome. I'm so glad you guys are here. So Aiden, let's start out with you and just tell me a little bit about like, um, how you grew up. Yeah. Um, I think since I was about 10 years old around that, my dad has has been a pastor since that. So um always been in and around the church, um, Christian schools, uh, Bible college. So I've always been um, around the church and around other believers, um, you know, from Sunday school to school to my friends. Was, I was pretty much constantly around, you know, other believers. Um, and then we became missionaries, so, you know, just even more so. But in another country. Right, so, right. Yeah. So right, was, so how old were you when you guys went to Brazil? I was, I believe, I turned 12, like, that same month we got there. Mm-hmm. I was around 12 years old so. when we got there. And then I left there when I was 18. So just saturated in yeah. God's Word. Sunday right. school and church friends and home ministry school. parents, homeschool, <laughs> yeah. like, just saturated in, right. in, in, the, in the world, in the Word, not the world. Yeah, um, we'll get word. to that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that yes. came later. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And Krista, share a little bit about that that experience for you, just like raising your yeah. boys and the hopes you had for yeah. them. And yeah, it was so different than how I grew up because I didn't grow up in a Christian home. Um, you know, we tried to get to church sometimes, but I didn't have a relationship with Christ till I was in my early to mid twenties. So when we had our kids and we, I got saved and my husband went back to the Lord, Aiden was already a couple years old. Liam was a baby and we didn't really know how to do it. You know, we didn't know how to navigate it in a biblical way. And so I, we did what we saw people around us doing. And then, you know, when Kyle became a pastor, um, then we decided to homeschool. I was like, you know, I'm checking all the boxes. 
right. of doing, you know, they're going, going to the parenting classes. Yeah. I'm going with parenting classes, you know, all of this stuff, um, Sunday school, church involvement. I mean, anything you could think of, we were doing it. Um, not just because that's what we right. wanted to do first, but we just thought that was a good thing and it is a good thing. Right. Um, and then. Yeah. Did you think? Did you think when you were when you were raising your boys, did you think that that was going to be this sure proof way? Because we always hear that scripture in Proverbs about you know yeah. raise your kids yeah. and then yes. in the way they should go and they'll walk in it. And you think that it's like a promise, which yes, it's I not. have some contention with that because yes, it's too. just a general. It's wisdom. wisdom. Yeah, yeah. It's a probability. Yeah. yeah, but not a guarantee. Yeah, and so but sometimes we're raised in like that in the Christian circles of like, oh, this is a guarantee. Yeah. But you got to find out, like, this is not and a I guarantee. And I was shocked, honestly, when I found that out. Because I, I was like that. I was, I did think, we're going to do all these things. It's so different than my testimony and Kyle's testimony, where we were way in the world during our whole, you know, growing up, that we're, we're completely different. These, our boys had a completely different upbringing than we did. And how could it not, you know work out. And I remember when Aiden was in, I think Aiden, you were in fourth grade, maybe around there. He had this, um, I guess a little, a crisis of faith, even, even then, I don't know if you remember, tell me if you, you know, I'll explain it and you tell me if you remember or not, but we just started homeschooling and he was active in the, um, the youth group at the time. And we had help plant this church and one day he came to me, we were talking, and Aiden's always been really good about sharing emotions and talking. It's really easy to talk to that way. And he was like, you know, I don't know if I believe in God. And this was in fourth grade. And I remember feeling heartbroken at the time and just like shocked. Like, how can you not? You know, like... Girl, yes, you do. <laughs> yeah, we have devotions. You've been baptized of your choice. You were you chose to be baptized. You know, you're in Sunday school. I'm like... I had to go through a whole life of all this and your race. I'm like, how? And it really, for a little bit, just kind of crushed me until I was, I had a mentor at the time, a disciple, well, a mentor for different things I was doing in Kyle and I's lives. And he was like, you know, if you break down and you just feel destroyed, that's the God image that your son's going to have, that it's gotten not big enough to, you know, reach your son even at this young age. And so at that time, I was like, yeah, that's true. Of course God can. And I remember very clearly praying, dropping to my knees and saying, okay, Lord, this is your kid. I'm going to put him on the altar like Abraham did with Isaac, and I'm going to take my hands off. You know, I put my hands back on and took him off the altar many times since then. And I do remember praying, like, if it's four months, four years, 40 years, whatever, Lord, I'll keep praying. And not, and I also prayed, um, the person who was mentoring us had said, you know, pray with Aiden Lord, show me that you're real in a way that Aiden can understand. And so I prayed that, and I talked to Aiden about it, and I prayed with Aiden about it, just with no guarantee, you know, when that would happen. Right. And it wasn't very long after when he came to me, and he's like, okay, I believe in God. And I prayed. I'm like, what did you pray? And I've asked him so many times. I'm like, what happened? What did you pray? Like, he was fourth grade, nine years old, 10 years old, that... He was like, I prayed, God showed me, and I don't know what he prayed. He hasn't, he, he didn't remember. I don't know if you remember now, but something changed, and so he, he seemed good. <laughs> he was right. like, okay, God showed me, I prayed for something, he showed me he was real, and then 
that right. we just carried on. And yeah. I thought, all right, Lord, that wasn't as long as I thought. Yeah. Well, then it came back around right. in a different way. So Aiden, when, when you're thinking about like, you know, just reflecting back on your life and um, do you feel like in those far away from God moments, like, do you feel like there was um, a point where you didn't believe or did you always feel like, I know he's real, but I'm just choosing to live this way? No, I definitely, um, aside from that, which I do remember in fourth grade. You do? Yeah, I remember that. I don't remember what I prayed. Yeah, exactly. I wish you remembered. I always asked yeah, him. But, You're um, like, I asked God to move a mountain, and he did. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, what no. mountain? <laughs> um, but no, I've never doubted that. I mean, we all struggle with doubt now and again, I right. think. Um, I do. But um, no, I never thought for a second, like, God's definitely not real, so I can do whatever I want. Um, it was more, um, yeah, I was just, I didn't care really if I'm mm-hmm. being frank about it yeah. I didn't um I, I you know I had gone through things you know it didn't always start out with me being angry at God but that is something that happened later on and um that probably contributed but I think the bigger the bigger thing was I just didn't put much care to it right yeah. so become apathetic and then yeah so if I don't care then I'm not accountable right yeah, exactly. if, I, if I could care less then yeah I don't have to think about it yeah and the more you go down that road the easier it is to like not feel any sort of like conviction or bad about it like when you first start out you're like um you know I shouldn't have done that and then the next right. few days you're like I, I shouldn't do that but after a few weeks that feeling starts to go away and then you don't even think about how, you know, any of the consequences or the fact that, you know, this is probably frowned upon, you know, that goes away and then it paves the way for like bigger and worse things to happen. And then you start to not care about that. And it's a slow progression and the enemy uses it really well. Mm -hmm. I think Uh, when you get comfortable, yeah, he's really good about, um, pushing you farther. Um, my dad told me this one quote, it's, um, sin makes you stay longer than you ever wanted to and <laughs> makes you go farther than you wanted to, which is true because, you know, you may start out, it'll just be this, this time or, yeah, and then, you know, fast forward a month or two and like that whole thing is out the window and now it's like something new and worse and you're in an even bigger hole right. than you were a month ago. Yeah. I think the end of that quote, doesn't it go on to say something like, and it's going to cost you more than you yeah, ever thought yeah, exactly. it would. <laughs> like, because you you don't realize like the cost of of what that's like to walk away from God and walk into the enemy territory. Mm-hmm. Was there anything that like you can pinpoint that was like that turning point for you, or was it more of like just that slow progression? Um, it was mostly a slow progression, um, but no, there definitely was a time when everything started to go from bad to worse, um, and it's. Before this had happened, um, and I'll get into it in a sec, before that had happened, um, uh, you know, I was probably what most people would think is like a normal teenager, you know. Um, I had gone into some trouble, you know, but, well, actually probably a little more trouble than most teenagers would have at that point, but I wasn't crazy, you know, yet, per se, you know, however you want to use that word. But um, (laughs) (laughs) um, there was a point, um, probably about a year into it, I was probably... 19 maybe um yeah I think 19 I uh I had lost my cousin uh, we grew up with her I mean I grew up with her 
mostly. My brother was, you know, he was part of it. Um, and then as we grew up, we sort of grew apart, especially me going to Brazil. But, you know, as I came back to the States, we, you know, started to reconnect. We got close. Uh, she's probably a year younger than me. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> um, so I'm a, I'm 19, she's 18. And, um, you at know, the we're, time. yeah, at the time. And we're friends, you know, we're getting back into it. We're like almost best friends at this point. We're super right. close, just so like, like when we were siblings, kids. Yeah. yeah. And then, um, unfortunately, she uh, she was headed down to college in uh, New Orleans, and um, she was involved in a in a, a crash where a drunk driver hit their car, and uh, she was killed on that night. And um, wow. Yeah, it was tough. She was eighteen. Right. Um, you know, just so excited to start college. Um, one thing I do remember is she was more. At the time, I, the only thing that I would mess around with really was, you know, I would smoke every once in a while. And uh, something big that she told me was she was going to stop when she got to college. She was going to be completely done with, with, you know, weed or whatever. Um, and that was big to me because she was, like, way more into it than I was. And that was, like, a big step that I saw her take before she left. Mm. And um, I was like, that's really cool. And it got me to also want to stop because she mm -hmm. tried to, you know, get me to not do any of that anymore. Um, so she took that step and then she, she gets down to the state. She doesn't even make it to the campus and she passes away. And, um, I go to her graves, gravesite, you know, and it's not far from where we used to hang out, like 20 minutes, maybe, um, um, up in the mountains, you know, like I said, not far from our hangout spots. Um, and yeah, I'm just sitting at her grave and then I just remember telling God that I, you know, hated what he did, even though, you know, it's not like he did that, you know, he allows free will. Right, but there's anger involved yeah, in yeah. that. But I let it definitely take over, and I told him I hated him, and I walked away from the grave and um, sort of just left all of that stuff there. And from this point on, like, I didn't know there was a big change, but there definitely was um, a lot more sadness that I didn't think about um, until I had to, until it was like, you know, almost shoved in my face. You know, I'd just suppress it until mm -hmm. something would happen. But yeah, I left a lot there mm -hmm. at that grave, and I picked up a lot of extra baggage that wasn't, you know, helpful at all. But um, right. that was definitely the biggest turning point for me. Well, and I think when you when you hate something, I think also that brings in like almost a destructive behavior. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Yep. Like, well, I'm, I'm having these feelings of hate. And so why do I care? Like you mm -hmm. said, you become apathetic and then, mm -hmm. and then the destructive behavior almost feels like a payout. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, well, I'll just be destructive with myself because mm -hmm. I don't, you know, I've lost this. And so now I don't care about anything. Mm -hmm. So Krista, what, what was it like for you as a parent to walk through this time? Yeah, it was shocking. Because it wasn't what we saw of him growing up. Um, when he was at home and with us, you know, in Brazil, we didn't. There was none of this stuff, and I started seeing it a few months after he left to go back to the states. And I, what I saw from my perspective at the time, um, you know, at the beginning, I saw maybe curiosity to some things that he wasn't exposed to before. And he kept the dialogue pretty open about certain things uh, in the beginning, at least like, Hey, why is this bad? And, you know, and you, I, I don't know if you remember, but you're like, why is, you know, pot bad, but alcohol is not and alcohol is legal or, and or legal and pot's legal in the state where he was in then. And he was 
just questioning a lot of this stuff. So I could see curiosity and I could see him hanging out with different people when he was back in the States that kind of helped encourage that curiosity. And, um, and so I, from afar, I could see him beginning to, to go down that, but it was shocking because, and it just continued to be shocking each month for about four years, three years. Um, especially the last year that he's talking about where he, you know, we lost my niece two years ago and it's interesting to hear him say, you know, he was angry at God because at her funeral, he gave an amazing eulogy, Aiden did. And he was, um, complete opposite at the time of hating, you know, hating God and being angry at God that came later. Mm -hmm. And at that moment he was like certain, he's like, there is a God, God is in control of everything. He's telling this church full of hundreds of people, um, there is a God, he has a plan and only God can do that in the heart of somebody that's hurting so bad. That's Mm -hmm. a good point. Actually, I want to say something about really quick. Mm -hmm. Um, yes, the week, week and a half, or maybe two weeks right after it happened, um, I mean, it was obviously just a horrible time. Right. I didn't go to work that morning, and so my boss, he fired me because of that. And so it was just a terrible day. <laughs> right. But, um, you know, I go back to Colorado, and um, I don't remember exactly details about what I did, but, you know, I knew that I wasn't going to probably make it through this by myself. Um, I remember just sitting, like, in the bathroom and praying, and I got this crazy power from God the next week and a half. And that power is just like peace. Hmm. Like that wasn't like tearing me apart. Mm-hmm. Um, because we we were like brother and sister. So it was really, really hard, especially that first one week, two weeks. And he gave me that strength, I think, to... Right. Peace that surpasses yeah, our all, understanding. Exactly. That's exactly what he did. Yes. And um, to share his faithfulness in the hardest time of our lives yeah. in front of publicly and in front of so many people. Mm-hmm. I mean, that is only yes, the Lord. Yes, that was only yeah. God. I, I didn't have, you know, I can't even take credit for, you know, praying for that because he, <laughs> yeah. you know, put yeah. that, he, he just provided that. it. Yeah. That's awesome. And mm-hmm. so, you know, I was able to stay strong for the family and um, um, give that eulogy, which God also mm-hmm. probably just took over. I, I remember I wrote down a few notes, but I don't know. God gave me words when I got oh. up there. And um, that's incredible. Unfortunately, I let that go, you know. Few weeks after, I just you know. Well, the enemy comes in yeah, when we're weak, yeah. right? Who does he pick off? Right. You know, it's it's the sheep that are yeah. sort of, you know, the stragglers at the end are isolated, yeah. or mm-hmm. you know, those. Are and the I ones think that are that's easy. where it really got hard for Aiden too, because after that monumental, you know, trauma in our family, he did come back home with us to Brazil for the summer before he started university, and things were okay there. Things, you know, from what I could see, he might have, I don't know. Maybe that's another Maybe conversation. Maybe like true confessions. <laughs> <laughs> but he seemed to be doing okay and then went off to college. And then I noticed, I think, around his birthday, because their birthdays are within a week of each other, him and his cousin. And I think I noticed it get very significantly bad about the time he's talking. And I think that's when you went to go visit her gravesite. Mm-hmm. And then that anger right. and the self-destruction, it was like, from a parent point of view, we were getting a phone call, it seemed like, every other month. It was like labor pains almost. Like there to, Before that, you know, we'd hear a couple of things here and there. We were concerned and alarmed. But when it, it got to this part, you know, this, that year where he was just in destruct, full destruct mode, um, it was like these labor pains of, okay, there's a couple months 
you know, we get a phone call. I was like, Aiden's not doing good. Something's happening. And then it got closer together. Whereas then we'd giving a phone call every month, every couple mm-hmm. weeks from, you know, the, from the school, from his friends, from his girlfriend that, you know, serious things, you right. know, overdosing, suicidal th- thoughts and ideation and things that were pulling us from Brazil to come back right. to, to be there for him. And it, it was very little relief in between. Right. And, um, it was scary. Unimaginable fear. Right. Yeah, as every parent, time it, like, we answered the phone, every time I saw a message from somebody that knew him, I'm like, what, it, you know, I just, you just pray like, Lord, don't take him. Right. Yeah. Um, so now what was the, what was the turning point for you, Aiden? I don't know if it was like, it finally was like this, the, the biggest destruction that brought you back. But what, what, what was it? Was there something that brought you back to the Lord? Mm-hmm, yeah. My U-turn. <laughs> um, it actually Good old happened. U-turn. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. At U-turn, um, it's a for people who don't know, it's it's a ministry of restoration, is what they call it. And um, you know, you can go there for all sorts of different problems. And uh, I went there obviously for addiction uh, purposes. Uh, it's a two-month commitment, and it's not like other rehabs that I've been to. Um, it's completely different. Uh, most rehabs, you sit there and you're. Uh, sweatpants and you talk about drugs all day <laughs> and then you do some arts and crafts at the end <clears throat> um and then they also you know give you whatever meds you ask for like pretty much um here at this place they won't give you a tylenol at all like if if you're really going through bad withdrawal it's a cold shower and maybe you get an extra uh fourth day to rest but after that you're to work at 5 a.m which sounds bad but it was super helpful it's beneficial right, keep their structure busy, yeah right? But anyways, like a place like that and the person I was at the time, they, they didn't mix well because <laughs> I was living <laughs> such an undisciplined life and this place is only discipline rules about every single thing. Right, which like, is why it works. Yeah. yeah, you can't weigh yourself. You can't, um, you can't go into the kitchen. You really, there's nothing you can do besides exactly what they tell you. And so I was not having that at all because I'm used to doing what I want when I want technically, you know what I mean? Right. I mean, that's how. That's all of our problems. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> You know, I was selfish and whatnot, but I get to this place and like once a week I'm taken off like midnight, I hop the fence mm-hmm. and try to leave. And it's in uh, Paris, California, which, um, sorry if anyone <laughs> lives there, but <laughs> you know, it's not the greatest, uh, place. It's, we're just in the desert. I mean, there's mm-hmm. probably a, they got a dollar store like five miles into the <laughs> desert or something, but other than that nothing and so but still that doesn't stop me um yeah we and we were still getting those phone calls i thought for sure okay he's at u-turn now you know we're active in ministry we're all over the place can you lock him in yeah i'm like (laughs) why why do you not lock the door and we were getting calls in like every week it was just closer and closer together until you know he came back to christ those guys at u-turn are really really good people um for trying to not trying to keep me there but also letting me come back afterwards because you know that's what happens it's the grace yeah, yeah. The grace, grace upon grace yeah. upon because grace. aiden was at that point really with us of you are going back there or you have the streets you know that's yeah. how how, how oh, far it, really it was gone. that i wasn't allowed home at all <clears throat> which is actually where i had my um turning point you know, for the better with god um, it was, I think, the third and final time mm-hmm. where I made my great escape. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> um, um, you know, I found, I, so there's no phones allowed, right. obviously. 
But I found my way home. It's like 30 minutes away, and I've only been there like once or twice. So that was a miracle mm-hmm. by itself. I found my way there. I got a bus. I got another bus, and then I walked a lot. But um, I made it home, and I knew I wasn't welcome there. But I also knew that they were on vacation because someone had told me that they weren't going to be there. It's so like, okay, maybe I get a few days at home, chill, and then, you know, I didn't I'll have come a back. Pl- yeah, <laughs> I didn't really have a plan. But um, right, you know, it's about the here and the now. That's what most. Um, I was surprised when he found it back to the house this couple of times because we just moved here from Brazil <laughs> and he'd been there like twice. So yeah, yeah. So I make it home. Um, I didn't think anyone was there, and so I'm trying to figure out a way how I can get in here. Um, but then my brother finally lets me in, and or he doesn't let me in. He he comes outside and he's like, "Yeah, you can't come in." And it was crazy to hear your little brother say, "You can't come in here." I'm like, "What are You're you like, talking I'm about? I'm gonna beat you up." Yeah, I'm like, "I can't come in here." Um, and it was good because I had just, I just had like a trek that lasted 12 hours. Like I'm taking buses and then walking, so I'm in no position to try to argue or fight or whatever. So I'm like, all right, I'm just gonna hang out in the backyard. But um, you know, we talk. He lets me in. We have dinner that night, um, and I'm just praying there. I'm just laying there on the ground because I'm not allowed to go to my room um, for some reason. <laughs> but I'm Lots not allowed. <laughs> I'm not allowed to go there, so I got to sleep in the living room. He's sleeping over there, and I'm like, you know, not obviously, you know, I was sad, but, you know, I got myself in that position, so I wasn't, like, tearing myself up, even though I probably should have been, you know, but um, I remember praying. I was like, God, why? This keeps happening. I'm just going in a big, huge circle, and it's not, like, if it's up to me, I'm not doing, I'm not going back to U-turn. That was 100% my, in my mind. That's another thing I forgot to say. When I got home, I was like, I don't care what they say or what they do. Like, even if I'm not allowed home, I'm okay. I'm not. I'm just not going back to U-turn. <clears throat> you know, they're talking to me about it, trying to get me to go back. But you know, I'm like, I don't. I don't want to. <clears throat> so that night, I don't remember if it was before we went to bed or like we were getting ready to. But you know, I'm praying. I'm like, God, this is gonna end really badly for me because, you know. Um, I don't know. Every time you go back into the world after trying to get sober, it's like tenfold as bad as it was before. That's what they say. And so I knew that, you know, if I were to leave home and not go back to U-turn, it was going to be pretty bad. You know, whatever happened, it would not be very good. <clears throat> and so, you know, I told him that, and I was scared. I was like, I really don't want that this to happen. You know, I don't like being alone out there, you know. But um, it's hard to explain. I just felt like... You know, everyone talks about they feel the presence of God, and I really feel like I did. But what I felt was not fear, like as in I'm scared I'm gonna die, but like fear, like He's so big, and He and I feel Him around. Mm-hmm. Like the fear was more, more like I knew that everything that I'd done in my life, um, you know, God was there and He saw it. You know, and uh, me realizing that He was real in that moment meant like all the things I did before and he saw me do and were just like so bad. It it was a little bit scary because if God is real, then, you know, he knows everything about me, things that people don't know about me. Mm -hmm. He knows the ins and the outs. And um, um, that scared me because I I guess I had this part of me that was like, you know, maybe God isn't real at the end of the day. Maybe, you know, maybe he's not. But it was just a small part. And then that kind of went away in like a split second and it was scary to sort of sit there and be like, wow, he's huge. Like, he, every breath I take is only because he lets me. And, like, if you were to some, for some reason, 
stop letting me take breath. Right now, I'd just die. Right. <clears throat> and so it was very interesting to see how big he was, but like also feel it because I never had that before. But and, it's so incredible that you're describing that because if you read the parable of the prodigal son, that's what he, that's the was the description, right? He went out, he wasted his life, and then he thought about God. And in his immediate response, and I love this, said the son didn't feel worthy. He said, mm-hmm. I'm not worthy to be your son. I will be like a hired servant. And just the the beauty of that mm-hmm. in, in that son coming and saying, I don't feel worthy like I can be your son. Can I just be your servant? And mm-hmm. just that humbleness mm-hmm. to come back and just the to serve a God that calls us sons and daughters and you're saying like he's so big like to realize the vastness and the majesty of God like you're describing reverence mm-hmm. you know that like you revered God as this this um authority in your life and that's exactly mm-hmm. what the prodigal son is describing it just is really really incredible mm-hmm. you know and it says in that scripture the father had compassion on him so here was this thing, here was him wasting his life, and yet the father had compassion, mm-hmm. you know, that he did, that, that, and then the father says, bring the best robe, like, you know, you don't deserve that. And then for someone to turn around and go, I'm going to bring you the best robe, we're going to have the best celebration, I'm going to bring you like, like a fattened calf is what mm-hmm. they said, you know, in the story. This was a worthy celebration, and the other brother got a little bit irritated with that because he's like, wait, I've been doing all this stuff. And he's like, yes, but my son was dead, mm-hmm. and now he's alive, yeah. and that was enough. Yeah. Like the fact that you went from death to life, like that was enough to bring his best to you. Mm-hmm. Like wow. how incredible is that? That's awesome. <clears throat> yeah. That's really cool to think about yeah. for me. <laughs> it was so um, neat after that point with Aiden too. Everybody could see the difference. And it wasn't like something he was trying to manipulate or fake just to get back into the program or because right. you can't you can't force yourself into submission, especially in a place like you turn and um, have a heart of repentance. That only comes from the Lord. Mm-hmm. And so they started seeing it. They would they're telling us, we started seeing it and we would go and visit Aiden and he was just quoting scripture after scripture and um it was just like this wealth of knowledge that was just flowing out of him and it was amazing it was amazing it's all that homeschooling <laughs> <laughs> see Aiden you might not know math but you know you're <laughs> you do know the bible but, Krista, um, Krista what did you guys do in the waiting because oh. I think a lot of parents that are in the middle of this far away from mm-hmm. God season like where's the hope because at yeah. some point did you feel hopeless did I was you feel like so you're many, hanging on by a thread yeah all of that I felt all of that, and it just kind of progressed each year because each, even each month got worse and worse and worse. And from where we were standing, we're like, this only leads. And we've told Aiden this before: we're like, it it ends in death, or it ends in prison, or you know, both. Um, and so it was so hard. There was a lot of things I had to fight through in the beginning, um, fighting through, you know, feeling like a failure. You know, and because that's like it was a, your fault. Yeah, I didn't do something yeah. right. And I think that's 
very natural thing for parents to go to, like, what did I do wrong? Where did I mess up that, you know, he's out there and doing all this stuff and clearly something was wrong. And you know, that's not true. But then, you know, that Proverbs verse that you, you quoted, it gets misused all the time, even, even in our own minds where we're like, well, we trained him up the way he should go. He's not going that way. I thought you said, God, that he would go this way if I did all these things. And what happened? Did I not follow? Did I miss something on my checklist of mm-hmm. raising these kids? And um, and it was hurtful. It was really hard because you would see, you know, families that were doing well and, you know, people would be like, well, they just did a great job with their kids, not knowing the situation we were in, um, but then thinking, oh my gosh, does that mean I didn't do a great job? And, you know, it's not about us, but I learned a lot. I learned first, like we talked with the Proverbs, that's just probability. That's That really helped me when I understood what that really meant, is that I did my best that I could. Am I sinful? Absolutely. Did I have to ask my kids for forgiveness for many things I've done? Yes. Um, but I did the best I knew how to, what I mm-hmm. what I could do. And I did it with God, and I tried to be faithful in that. And when I realized, like, they have a say in this, the kids do. They have free will, and that's on them. And that really freed me from that initial guilt of failure and judgment that I had and condemnation, really, that I had. Because, you know, we were leaders in church, the church and all these different things, and nobody was really talking about it either, which is why I'm so glad we're able to talk about this right now. I thought, man, I'm, you know, I've heard one or two in 18 years I must really be messed up, you know, miss something. But there's not a, a formula to go mm-hmm. through. Um, so it kind of transitioned from feeling like a failure and guilty to um, just being terrified, really, about right. him the dying. Phone, phone ringing. Yeah. yeah. And, um, and then it came to a place where I was like, you know, this is your kid, Lord. You love him more than I do. Um am I going to trust you? And are you, am I going to trust you no matter what you do? And I decided I'm going to trust God. And what, and I did, and I didn't know how it was going to go with Aiden. I knew it was going bad during that time. Um, and I just trusted him and I prayed and I would pray and I would fast for him when he was in U-turn. I think the first month is so I took a day a week and would fast and pray for him. Oh, that's a good And um, but it didn't take away the feelings like, I can't tell you the heartache. It really feels like someone's stabbing you in the heart when you get those phone calls. Right. And like, it's terrible. I don't wish that on anybody, but I do know lots of people are going through it. Mm-hmm. And talking to people helped too, knowing that I wasn't alone right. and that there's other people who have in leadership, pastors, kids, missionary kids that have gone through it, that have done, you know, parented the best they could, um, you know, as the Bible says, and and their kids still went through it. That really helped me too. I'm like, oh, I'm not alone. You know, these kids are making, these grown-up kids are making their own choices. Um, But it didn't save me from the heartache. Like, you can't get around that. No. And I mean, we all go through suffering and everybody goes through it in different ways, in different forms. God said we would suffer on this earth. We know that. But going through it is so, especially when you're talking about your yeah. kids, it's just like so well, hurtful. I also remember very vividly, I don't know if Aiden remembers this, but I remember telling him and just committing, I'm like, I'm not handing this kid over to Satan. 
He's, you know, he was 19 at the time, 18, 19, when things began to go off the track. And I remember, and I told him, I was like, I'm not handing you over without a fight. And so I decided very early, I'm going to fight for him and with him as long as he wanted me to. You know, there comes a time in different people's life where the kid stops listening or stop talking. You know, that never was the case with Aiden. He listened. Didn't mean he do it. He did things, but he was at least listening and talking to us. So you still had a relationship, we still had a, which yeah, that's not always We still the case, had a good right? relationship because he wasn't rebelling against us. He was rebelling against God. And I just committed and just very clearly, I was like, I'm not handing him over to Satan I, without a fight. And I fought. Any way I could, I fought for him. Right. Right. And without enabling, because I I walked through a portion of that with you guys. And I remember you guys setting like pretty clear boundaries. Like you're saying, I wasn't allowed in the house. Like you guys set some pretty good guidelines. And that's really hard too. I can imagine. And I'd like to ask Aiden, was that, was that helpful? Like the things that they did, was that helpful to your recovery? What, like, if you could talk to the parents of a prodigal, like what advice would you give them in what they should be doing during that waiting time. Mm-hmm. Um, I I didn't like it at the time, probably, right, but yeah. um, I'm sure, yeah, I'm almost 100% sure it was helpful. If I had the choice not to be at U-turn and go home, I definitely would not spend a second at U-turn, you know. So, yeah, it was very helpful. And yet that was the turning point, so think about the enemy. Yeah. Where did he not want you to be? Where you were going to yeah, get help? Exactly. Yeah. You had said to me earlier, Aiden, when we were talking about this, of yeah. letting the you know the prodigals and the people setting them up to have their own relationship with yeah, God. Yeah, right. That's I was saying something along the lines of that, but um, you know they have to figure this out on their own. That's the only thing. When all the meetings and all the different like things for addiction I've been to, the one thing I've learned, and I think it's pretty true, is you have to, and and it doesn't have to be addiction, I guess. I'm just whatever you may be struggling with. You have to want, you know, to change. That doesn't. It's pretty simple. Like you don't have to do much else besides at least want to change, and that's a good start. You know what I mean? Yeah. So if parents can, you know somehow set up a way where they can find God on their own, not through them, not through something their parents told them to do or said, like, you know, you should do this um, or do this and you'll get this. But they should, you know, seek God out. Like the Bible says, you know, if you knock, the door will be answered. Mm -hmm. Um, They need to um, seek God so that he can draw near to them on their own Mm -hmm. without, um, like, being... uh, it can be prompted, but without, you know, much more than that. Yeah. <laughs> they need to do that on their own. And also another thing, piece of advice, maybe from my side, because I, I only have my side, right. you know. <laughs> um, I do have a daughter, but she's only seven months old. <laughs> so <laughs> She might be the cutest kid she, on the planet. Yeah. <laughs> she is we pretty. think so. <laughs> but um, from my side, um, the way that I was brought up and things that my parents did had pretty much nothing to do with the things I was doing. It all, in my opinion, it comes down to free will, and we all have this, like, sin nature. And, like, very simply, I just wanted to do this. It it made me feel good. I enjoyed it better than, you know, 
not doing reality. it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I enjoyed it better and made me feel good. It was what I wanted to do. And so I was going to do it. Um, you know, you were not raised in a Christian household and you mm-hmm. were able to find your way to God. I was raised in a Christian household, went away, came back. So there's all, you know, different types of ways, but God's going to get what he wants and his word doesn't ever return void. Amen to that. Yeah. And so, you know, no matter what I'm doing or where I go, since I was little, I have this word in my head from my dad. You know, I was in the back of the sanctuary, probably just playing video games on my phone. <laughs> but I still remember it, and it's stuff that comes to mind, you know, and I can share with other people. When people say, like, how'd you change? Like, you're the guy who, you know, you were in jail, right? Like, you were doing this stuff. You were the you were this guy, right? And I'm like, yeah, I was. And then, you know, they, they may be like, how'd you change? And that gives me the opportunity to share like I didn't do anything that's the coolest part like I didn't wait until I lost everything which is what happens to most people you know they they only want to change when they've lost everything you know they lose their job kids family whatever Um, I didn't have to get there because you know God stepped in for me and um, um, I didn't have to get to the end of the road where everything's gone I was able to you know God, God, let me put my faith in Him, because right. I didn't have much to begin with. But right. He really. When I think in. your parents put you in pools too, that you know, for lack of a better terminology, where you were hearing the Word of God, faith comes by hearing, hearing by mm-hmm. the Word of God, and mm-hmm. so when you're hearing it, whether you want to hear it or not, like you said, it doesn't return void. Like those are the best places. You know, often we'll have people in the church that like don't bring their kids to church. They'll come to church. They're leaving their kids at home. And my question is always why? If God said his word doesn't return void, even if they don't want to be there, shouldn't they be somewhere where they're hearing the word of God? It's our best hope, you know? And that's what it comes down to is this hope. Like as as parents too, of kids who stray or um, whatever they're doing, like we have this hope in Jesus. And I was so blessed when I heard Aiden share his... um, just a little bit with a different family back in Colorado. And, you know, they, he was just saying, well, maybe you could say it better, but he was explaining like those things, those seeds that they planted in their child growing up because their child had gone far as well. Won't, won't be without, you know, root of some kind. Mm -hmm. And he could hear it from a kid who literally was just getting out of jail. They picked him up from jail actually. And they stayed, he stayed the night there and he just got a chance to talk. And it was such a blessing, um, for us as parents to get a message from them to say, listen, wow, he's welcome here anytime. Whereas the last couple of years he hadn't been welcome in many places and, and to offer encouragement to that family. Like, you know, you, they, she's hearing you, you know, your daughter or your son's hearing you. And we don't know what they're hearing, what, you know, what is growing in their heart. But like you said, Brenda, like we need to keep doing it um, and have hope that God will change things. You know, we, as parents, we didn't have, we never knew how long this was going to go. You know, we didn't, we had no idea, but we had hope that one way or the other, God was going to have his way in Aiden. Mm -hmm. And we pray that it wouldn't be through death. And, you know, we wanted to see it here. And, and that's a hard prayer. Yeah. That's a hard thing. Yeah. 
Mm-hmm. But the some of the hope is just if your child knows, like you knew the Lord, you have the Holy Spirit within you, so and that's sealed. And so salvation-wise, there's nothing we can do yeah. to um, be separated from God. And what a hope that mm-hmm. brings to people. Like, no, I know my kid accepted the Lord at seven. Then we have that hope, like no matter what mm-hmm. else, like you belong mm-hmm. to God. Yeah. And I, I talked to a lot of prodigals that have said in the past, like even in their farthest moment, the Holy Spirit's still there, like providing, you know, we can turn it off. And you were saying you're apathetic to it. You don't care. But the Holy Spirit's still there, like a glimpse of the Word of God or mm-hmm. a passage mm-hmm. or something. Yep. Did you experience that the whole oh, yeah. time? Yeah. yeah. That's what most people say. Yeah, I, I experienced that for sure. For parents who are going through something like this, um, something that might help is, you know, like for me, it it was always, and, and I look back on this and that's how I know this, but if it had gone any other way, like if, I don't know, this was God's plan and the only way for me to be where I am now and like sober and um, working towards, you know, getting married and being with my daughter and all this stuff. The only reason I'm here is because of how everything went exactly the way it did. Because God's plan, I think, was so perfect. Um, I needed to be humbled. I needed to go through a bunch of different things to get to where I am. And it all happened like so perfectly. It didn't seem like it then, mm-hmm. but it's not like anyone else's job to save me. You know what I mean? It's mm-hmm. only, only God can do that, and He will do that. Like I said, God's going to win no matter what. And this was His plan, and not that if someone had jumped in and like tried to help or something that it would have not worked, but God's plan was so perfect to get me here, and it's the same with everyone else who's like straying right now. Um, they need to go through all the stuff they're going through, because um, I think there's a big lesson for them to learn. Like I learned huge things every time something bad happened that um, brought me back, and I still use to this day as like a reference or mm-hmm. something that I know like God. God did for me that I can share with other people. um, Right. He uses it all. It might not be his perfect will for us to go through those things, but he definitely can use that to encourage other people. And he used that, you know, for parents too. Like as the prodigal walks through this, you learn a lot about your your spiritual life as well as a parent walking through this. Um, I know for me, for a long time, I was, as I was praying for Aiden, I was praying for him to be, you know, sober and healthy and a relationship with God. But then when things got really bad, I, the Lord just revealed, like, he, he's like, are you really praying for his relationship with me? Or are you praying for you just to not feel so hurt? Mm-hmm. And is it just going to be easier for you if Aiden is clean and, you know, that's right. easier for you? Can you be the model you? child? Yeah, it's <laughs> easier for you if he looks like this because then it doesn't hurt you so bad. So in actuality, it was a super selfish prayer. Mm-hmm. And I had to really confront them. Like, yeah, I'm of course he's hearing this, but the Lord's like, you're not praying in the right, in the right mm-hmm. way for him. And I was praying just to alleviate my pain because mm-hmm. it hurt so bad. Then just, but wasn't praying really as I needed to be for, for his, his heart. Yeah, yeah. For his soul. I'm like, just help the behavior, you right. know, and help me. I don't, cause honestly, I didn't want to feel that pain anymore. Um, and the Lord changed that. And I was just realized, wow. Mm-hmm. You can be even selfish in someone else's right. issues, and wow. um, well, and, thank you guys mm-hmm. so much for just sharing your story. Um, yeah, would you you have a life verse that you have, and I would love for you to share that. Yeah, as we close up. Okay, so um, 
yeah, I found this life first in uh, U-Turn, and um, for me, it, it um, kind of sums up what God did. So it's Ephesians 2, it starts at uh, verse 3. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath, but God, because of his great love for us, who's rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in our transgressions. It is by grace that you have been saved. Amen to that. Mm-hmm. Wow, what a great verse. Yeah. yeah. That's a that's a great life verse and one yeah. that you'll carry with you forever and share with your daughter yes, and I will. your other children yeah. beyond that. I can't wait. <laughs> yeah. And so thank you so much, Aiden, for yes. being so vulnerable and, and honest. And you too, Krista. Yeah. I'm sure this is just going to bring hope to hope a so. lot of different people. So yeah. thanks for sharing. All right. Well, thanks for joining us today. We hope that this content is helpful. Uh, stay connected with us at When She Leads on Instagram and Facebook for further discussions and information and about other opportunities. And our cohorts, our leadership cohorts are in full swing. And so if you have a desire to belong to a leadership cohort, there's more information at whensheleads.org. And you can click on the tag that says uh, cohorts and see what's going on and see if there's one that you would like to sign up for. So until next time, we'll see you then.